why don't you turn with me to what we just sang. We're going to be in Matthew 1. Uh, we're going to be using that, kind of looking at Jesus' genealogy, uh, the wonder of wonders of, of who is in Jesus' genealogy. Why did he tell us who he's connected to? It's so important because it connects us to all of God's promises. When you look at that genealogy, it connects us to some pillars in the Old Testament, especially Abraham and David. Uh, it's so important. But what's incredibly mysterious, a wonder of wonders, is the fact that God in his goodness realized that, you know what would be important to do as I list genealogy? It would be important to list a few of the women who are present in Jesus' genealogy. Now, it may seem like that's a normal thing to do to us, and it would be in many ways, but back then, this wasn't done. In the ancient Near East at this time, they only listed the men who were in this genealogy. We look through scripture, like when we see Adam's genealogy be listed, it was only the, the, the men. But there was something that the Holy Spirit knew that we needed to find out. We need to hear a little bit more of these women who are listed. And it's scandalously good. Are you kidding me? The people who are listed, uh, they're not who you might think would make the, 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 the uh, front page of the gospel. The first very thing that's mentioned in Matthew's gospel. It's Tamar. We looked at her. We looked at how she uh, was in Jesus' line as the daughter-in-law to Judah. We watched last week how Tamar dressed up as a prostitute to trick Judah uh, to make sure that she had a child uh, who would come. And that child is in the line of Jesus. And Tamar finds her name there. This morning, we look at a Canaanite named Rahab, Rahab. It's an amazing story of, of how God uh, has come to rescue us to someone like Rahab. So again, I said last week, Merry Christmas, Tamar. Uh, thank you for what you've done. Uh, this morning, we want to say Merry Christmas, Rahab. Uh, thank you for rescuing Christmas for all of us. Uh, Rahab, she was a scandalous woman. Uh, she had a scandalous past, at least. Uh, she, uh, someone who had a scandalous past, who becomes an amazing woman of faith. And now watch this. It's Rahab's faith that's going to open up the key to the promised land. I mean, she's going to be a key that will open up the promised land and fulfill some of God's promises uh, to God's people. 55 years ago, it was December of 1967, and Corey Ten Boom was honored with an honor what's called the Righteous Among the Nations. Now, this is something that the state of Israel will give to non-Jewish people. It's called the Righteous of the Nations, who have done things in their estimation that are so righteous for their, for their people that they give them this, this award. Uh, really, the reason that Corey Ten Boom received this was for her heroicism during World War II. Corey Ten Boom, an amazing story. Read one of her biogra biography about her. She is absolutely incredible. Corey and her family were hiding Jews. They were hiding Jews when, when Nazi Germany uh, had taken over Holland. Uh, they, they wanted to make sure that they were safe. Uh, Corey and her family had a deep love for Christ, uh, and when the Nazis showed up at her door and asked if they were hiding Jews, uh, she lied. I said, no, 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 no one here. Uh, read The Hiding Place as a book for that. But it was in February of 1944 
that she and her family would be arrested for such activities. Arrested for showing love and grace for those in need, uh, and they were sent uh, to a uh, a concentration camp. Uh, In that concentration camp, she would lose her sister, Betsy. Uh, She would also lose her father. I love the words of Betsy that remain even while she was in the midst of a concentration camp. She would say, there is no pit so deep that God's love is not deeper still. Hit pause. Are you serious? You're in a concentration camp. You're trying to honor God and do the right thing. You're going to give your life up there. And yet, Emmanuel, a God with us, was so with her that she would say, there is no pit so deep that the love of God is not deeper still. Rahab experienced that that love of God in the midst of her deep pit. She, too, was in a deep pit. Rahab is honored. She wasn't honored as the righteous among the Gentiles. She's, listen, she's honored as the righteous among the Gentiles in the Bible. And the Bible has a, a chapter in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews 11. It's like the hall of fame of faith for those who believe. I mean, you may want to go and it just lists the heroes and how they had faith in God. And Rahab, Rahab the harlot, she is there. She had deep faith in God. She too, like Corey Tenboom, she too hated Jews. Uh, she too lied about their presence uh, and sent people the other way. Uh, Rahab proves to be both a rescuee of God and a rescuer for God's glory. We're going to see three things this morning. Rahab the harlot, who is she? We're going to see Rahab the harlot's faith, and we're going to see Rahab the harlot's rescue. Okay, I look down here, I realize I don't have my reading glasses, and we got a lot to read, and so hopefully I'll be able to see it, all right? So let's look at Matthew chapter 1. Matthew 1, we're going to read 1 through 1, uh, verse 6a. So this is how the gospel, this is how the New Testament starts. Hear the word of the Lord. In the book of genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham, Abraham was the father of Isaac, and I want to sing this, and and Isaac, the father of Jacob, and Jacob, the father of Judah and his kin and his brothers, and Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar. We looked at that story last week. If you missed it, go online. It's an incredible story. And Perez, the father of Hezron, and Hezron, the father of Ram, and Ram, the father of Abinadab, and Abinadab, the father of Nashon, and Nashon, the father of Solomon, and Solomon, the father of Boaz, by Rahab, here she is, and Boaz, the father of Obed, by Ruth, we're going to talk about her next week, and Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of David, the king. Now, right in that one section, we connected Jesus to Abraham, and we've connected him uh, also to David. And then you get to the story uh, in Joshua. Let me set up a quick context for you. Uh, the first five books of the Bible are the Pentateuch, Uh, Genesis, uh, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Uh, Then you're going to get to the book of Joshua, which is the conquest of the land. Uh, The Israelites, God's people, have left slavery in Egypt. Those ten plagues were incredible. And the last one, the death of the firstborn son. Moses has led the people through the Red Sea. Wow, they walked on dry land. And the Egyptians who chased after them, they they were, the floods would fall upon them. God took his people for 40 years because they were kind of stiff-necked people. They, didn't, they weren't quick to believe. Uh, man, they were a, a mess like you and me. 
But 40 years have gone by, and they're entering the promised land. The time has come. Joshua has replaced Moses. Joshua is the leader of God's people, and now he is leading them in to the promised land. Joshua 2. We'll read chapters 2, then we'll also read something in Joshua 6. And Joshua, the son of Nun, sent two spies secretly from Shittim, terrible name for a, a city, as spies, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. And they went and came into the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab, or Rahab, and they lodged there. And it was told to the king of Jericho, Behold, men of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. Then the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who came come to you, who entered your house, for they have come to search out all the land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. And she said, True, the men came to me, but I do not know where they were from. When the gate was about to be closed at dark, the men went out. I don't know where the men went. Pursue them quickly, for you will overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hid them with the stalks of flax that she had laid in order on the roof. So the men pursued after them on the way to the Jordan as far as the fords. And the gate was shut as soon as the pursuers had gone out. Before the men lay down, she came up to them on the roof, and she said to the men, I know that the Lord has given the land, and that the fear of you have fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land, they melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Shion and to Og, whom you've devoted to destruction, which means wiped them out. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted. And there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that I have dealt kindly with you you also will deal kindly with my father's house and give me a sure sign that you will save alive my father and my mother, my brothers and my sisters and all who belong to them and deliver us, deliver our lives from death. By the way, the word she's using to describe God here is Yahweh, the Lord. It's a covenant name. I mean, she really knows the Lord. And the men said to her, our life for yours, even to death, if you do not tell this business of ours, then when the Lord gives us the land, we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. Then she let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was built into the city wall, and she lived in the wall. And she said to them, Go into the hills, or the pursuers will encounter you, and hide there for three days until the pursuers have returned. Then afterwards you may go your way. The men said to her, we will be guiltless with respect to this oath of yours that you have made with us, to, uh, made us swear. Behold, when we come into the land, you shall tie this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. What an interesting sign. And you shall gather into your house, your father and your mother and your brothers, into all your father's household. Then if anyone goes out of the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head, and we shall be guiltless. But if a hand is laid on anyone who is with you in the house, his blood shall be on our heads. But if you tell this business of ours, 
then we shall be guiltless with respect to your oath that you have made us swear. And she said, according to your words, so be it. Then she sent them away, and they departed. She tied the scarlet cord in the window. They departed and went into the hills and remained there three days until the pursuers returned. And the pursuers searched all along the way and found nothing. Let's, let's, let's jump to, this is chapter 6, verse 23 through 25. Then the two men returned. They came down from the hills and passed over and came to Joshua, the son of Nun, and told him, oh, I'm sorry, this is still part of it, and they had given to them. And they said to Joshua, truly the Lord has given all this land into our hands, and also to the inhabitants of the land melted away, their hearts melted away because of fear for us. They devoted all that was in the city to destruction, both men and women, young and old, oxen, sheep, and donkeys with the edge of the sword. This is brutal. That whole city was wiped out. But to the two men who had spied out from the land, Joshua said, go into the prostitute's house and bring out from there the woman and all who belong to her as you swore to her. So the young men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab and her father and mother and brothers and all who belonged to her. And they brought all, all her relatives and put them outside the camp of Israel. And they burned the city with fire and everything in it, only the silver and gold and the vessels of bronze of iron did they save. They put in the treasuries of the house of the Lord. But Rahab the prostitute, isn't it interesting she hasn't lost that name yet? Rahab the prostitute in her father's household and all who belonged to her, Joshua saved alive. And she has lived in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. And lastly, out of Hebrews, by faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, what an incredible story. What an incredible story of a 911 rescue of a Canaanite prostitute. How in the world can she be somebody who's rescued? And how in the world can she be someone who has faith in Yahweh and finds her way into the lineage of your son, our Savior, Jesus? It is clear you're a God who loves sinners. It is clear you're a God who came to rescue sinners. It is clear that you are a God who chooses to use sinners to come to faith in you, to do amazing things for your glory and the advancement of your kingdom. Oh God, would you come and be the teacher? Would you speak through a broken sinner like me? And God, would you give us ears to hear your voice and minds to understand your word, this story? We read a big portion of it today. Help us understand where it fits, not only in the Bible, but where this story fits in our lives. Oh God, would you give us hearts that would embrace your truth? And would you give us feet that would walk in a manner worthy of your name? God, the things that I say that are just my opinion are wrong, may those things just quickly fall away and be forgotten. But God, the things that are said that are true and contain the good news of the gospel, use those things to make us more like Rahab's Savior and our Savior, Jesus. And it's in his matchless name that we pray. Amen. All right, the first thing we see is Rahab. And she, Rahab has a name and Rahab has a title. And at any time in Scripture you want to look a little deeper and say, well, what is in a name? 
uh, what is in a title. It's very important for us to know that. Uh, I want you to know I'm very proud of my name, Jakes. If you look up Jakes in the English Dictionary, uh, we have a story too. Jakes means outdoor privy or outhouse. It does mean a toilet or a bedpan. You should see our coat of arms. It's, 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 it's a mess. And you think I'm kidding with you, I'm not. And don't Google it right now. Google it afterwards. But anyway, we know the name that's above every name. What well, Jesus, why did they give him the name Jesus? Because Jesus itself means Savior. In the name, it means something. It means Savior. And by the way, I love this. Remember, Mary and Joseph had no authority to name Jesus. Parents, we have authority of our children. We name our children. We give them that name because we have the authority. This one who comes is greater than Mary and Joseph, and he comes pre-named uh, by God. His name is Jesus, which means Savior. Jesus also had a title. He is Christ the Lord. Jesus is Christ. He's the promised Messiah. He is the promised King that was to come. Well, how about Rahab? Rahab's name. You know what Rahab's name means? It means broad. Broad. Rahab the broad. It's true, James. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, it really is. It means breadth. It means wide. Who names their daughter? Oh, we got a new daughter. Let's call, let's call her a broad. Good idea. Let's broad. Hey, broad, come on over here. I mean, what in the world? Strike one. You know, who names their daughter Rahab? Broad. Well, then she has a title. Rahab the prostitute, Rahab the harlot. Do you know this poor woman never lost that title? <laughs> I mean, it's always, always talking, oh yeah, Rahab the harlot. I mean, she had a title. Uh, Rahab the title, uh, that's her name or moniker. Uh, it certainly wasn't flattering. I mean, you know, some people have a moniker. They don't seem to be able to lose Simon the leper. I mean, that was a tough one to probably have. Jack the ripper, he probably earned that one. Minnie the moocher, I mean... I don't know where they are, but the reality is poor Rahab, strike two. Rahab, she's broad, she's a harlot. But then there was a problem of her nationality. She couldn't help it, but she was born a Canaanite. She born a Canaanite, and she was living or working, doing her tricks in Jericho. And Jericho happened to be right in the crosshairs of God's judgment. Right in the crosshairs of God's judgment as God's people were moving in. And they were moving in, and God said some amazingly kind of harsh things. It says, Scripture says he gave them like 400 years to repent, and they didn't. And this is a land of promise that he promised to Abraham, and he's going to deliver with that promise, and he's going to clear out uh, the Canaanites. And God says, take them all out. All of them. Hmm. But isn't it gracious of God that if there's one with faith, she'll be saved. God doesn't miss any. But here she is, a Canaanite. Prostitute, Rahab, Canaanite, strike three. But then there's Rahab's faith. And again, how did, how did Rahab give faith? Now, we don't know this, but you, know, you, you, you wonder, what is God's hand of providence here that brings Rahab into faith? It's kind of a beautiful thing, is it not? Could it be some of the men that she entertained? Could it be some of the stories she heard in the brothels? The stories of this Yahweh? The stories of the God who is the, the God of heaven and earth, the God who could take Pharaoh and turn them all upside down through plagues, the God who takes the Red Sea and opens it up. I mean, she heard the stories. You know, recently I had someone say to me, well, how do you know Christianity is true? Because, you know, 
there's some people who, who live far away. They, they don't have the Bible. They haven't heard, and they don't know. And let me just tell you, God's people will know. And there'll be some way that God, Jesus says, my sheep will hear my voice, and they will follow me. And no matter where they are, matter of fact, Scripture says all of creation tells a story, that it pours forth speech, that none of us are, are guiltless because we should see the creation itself and say there is a God. But there's something beautiful about the fact that God knew about Rahab the harlot. And he, he knew that she was one of his. And she was beloved. And she knew that maybe no matter how many strikes she had against her, that he was going to come rescue her in an amazing way. So somehow through those storms, somehow through those trips, somehow through that brokenness, she finds faith. That God would give her the eyes to see and the ears to hear. And she would say, I know. Other people's hearts are melted with fear because God's people are on their way and they're terrified. Her heart is melting with faith. Rahab the harlot's faith. Rahab had faith in God's power over heaven and earth. In verse 11, she said, And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted, and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God of heaven above and on the earth below. Here's what she's saying. Rahab is rejecting the gods of her people. There are many gods. And she is acknowledging the God of the Israelites as the one true living God. Hey, I know. There's one God. He's over heaven and earth. That's, that's, that's the Lord. Rahab has faith in God's promises of a land to his people. You know, we see throughout Scripture, not only in Joshua 2.9, Exodus 3.8, 3.17, throughout Scripture, God's going to promise a land. And said to the man, she said, I know the Lord has given you the land. That's amazing. That's faith right there. I know it. I know that there was a promise made and there's a promise kept. I know that God has given you this land. This land is your land. This land is my land. From California to the New York Islands, right? From the, from the Redwood Forest. Thank you for letting me sing the solo. To the Gulf Stream waters. This land was made for you and me. It's a great little American song. Not very theologically sound. Rahab wasn't singing, this land is my land, this land is your land. This land was made from you and me. No, she was saying, this land is Yahweh's. This land is God's. And God's going to determine what to do with it. He's God. And he's going to give it to his people. This is God's land. And this is God's land for God's glory. And this is God's land to be filled with his presence for us to multiply. And there's not a square inch on this earth that isn't God's land. Uh, I, I love uh, what the, uh, the Dutch Christian uh, Kuiper, Abraham Kuiper says, there's not one square inch of earth that God doesn't say, mine. It's his. It's creator's. Sustainer's. Proprietor's owner and Rahab knew it she knew it I mean how did she know how did she know the promises that were made to Abraham I don't know how did she know the covenant that was made with Abraham that this was God's land to give to his people but remember all land we can't as Christians say this land is my land this is your land we got to say this is Christ's land even here in America and we are here to fill it with God's glory Rahab knew that God had made a promise to Abraham somehow and she was basically living in a land with her ancestors. And she said, no, this is who God's going to give it who he wants to. 
For us to have faith, we need to have faith too. God has said, listen, there's a land coming, a promised land that's coming, a future that's coming, a new heaven, a new earth. And how do we get in just the same way Rahab did through faith? That God will come and dwell with us. Rahab's faith not only in God's promise of a land, Rahab's faith in God's provision of fear over his enemies. God says throughout Scripture, listen, um, I'm going to cause people to be fear, afraid of you. They're going to hear what I did, and they're going to be afraid. And they're going to come. Uh, as they come, people's hearts are going to be fearful. So you hear this. Scripture says, And if the fear of you has fallen upon us, and all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you, for we have heard how the Lord dried up the waters of the Red Sea before you. And when you came out of Egypt, we heard what God has done. We heard about Egypt. We heard about the Red Sea. We heard it all. And our men, they're terrified. But she had faith. Rahab's faith in God's fulfillment of his promise. Rahab had faith that God would come through and fulfill his promise. And what was her demonstrating of that? Put the scarlet cord in the window. Interesting Remember last week there was a cord uh, that was used, a cord here. I tell you what, commentators will really go deep and to say it's red like the cross and the blood of Christ, and it's going to show you that. But let me just say, there's a few signs that clearly go through Scripture. Remember the Passover? How were God's people saved? They were slain by the blood of the Lamb, weren't they? Weren't they to put it over the door, po- the door post, the, the lentil, whatever that there is? So God would see the blood and pass over. Now what does Rahab to do? Have faith. Put the, the scarlet cord in the window. You believe. I mean, that, that, that reality. And then what we have for us, it's the blood of Christ shed for us. That, that, that death and sin passes over us. I mean, that's amazing. And she had faith in God's fulfillment. And then you have, thirdly, Rahab the harlot's rescue. And it's a rescue of her entire family. I love the fact that Rahab the harlot, she apparently had a pretty good relationship with her mom and dad. Apparently they were okay with it because everybody came in. And this is before she had a husband. I mean, she didn't have a husband. You can imagine why. Maybe her, you know, it wasn't probably the best thing to have for what she did for a living. But she cared about her family. I love the fact that God rescues family. I'm so glad he's rescued mine. Then you see God's adoption of Rahab into his family. Rahab's faith in the Lord was the doorway into God's family. It grafted her in. I mean, are you kidding me? Here's this Canaanite a harlot. She's a part of Jesus' genealogy. She's our sister in Christ. She's a part of the family. That's her identity. Her identity is not her former profession. It's not that she was a Canaanite. It was not that she was a grievous sinner. It was she was a beloved child of the king. And that she got adopted in. Listen, Christmas is the celebration of God becoming a man to rescue his family and to fulfill his promise. And I am a part of that rescue, and so are you. And Rahab is proof that God rescues each member of his family. He's not going to miss any. Let me just hit pause and say, church, we have a tendency to want to clean up these people. Let's not clean up Rahab. Let God clean her up. Her story is so much more beautiful when we see the depth of her rescue. God really did come to rescue all of his children, and he found some of us in some really bad places. Did he not? 
All of us are deserving hell. All of us are deserving banishment from God. But he came to rescue sinners like us and sinners like Rahab. Who she was it makes the story more beautiful. What she did makes the story more incredible. Where she was makes the story even more incredible. Wow. Maybe there's truth. Come as you are without one plea. As we wrap this up, let me ask you the question. What is melting your heart with fear this week? You know, we looked at these Canaanites. They were fearful of the God who would come to town. You know, life is filled with brokenness and darkness. What, what's, what's plaguing your life right now? What is melting your heart with fear? Remember what the angel said, the first proclamation. Fear not. I bring you good news of great joy. God has rescued us. God has conquered his and our enemies, sin and death, Satan. God is truly with us. And in Christ Jesus, God is for us. What can we fear? The economy extinct. The future, who knows? What do we, what do we fear? Our family and, and our, their health? What do we fear? Fear not. I bring you good news of great joy. Unto us, a Savior is born. He is Christ the Lord. Not only, like Rahab, we are rescued to be rescuers. Go into this world with no fear and tell the good news of a God who loves sheep like you and me, like Rahab, that we too can be a part of his story. Merry Christmas. Thank you so much, Tamar. Merry Christmas. Thank you so much, Rahab. In many ways, you rescued Christmas for all of us. You hid those spies. You sent the men the, the wrong way, the king's men the wrong way. Because your faith says you knew. You knew what the, who the Lord was. And God rescued you. And she found her way into the Hall of Fame of Faith. We're going to celebrate our rescue or the communion. This is a meal that Jesus gave to his disciples and us. It's tangibly a reminder of our rescue. Tangibly a reminder that we're his sheep. It tells us that, listen, his name and title are given to us. It's more important than our name and title. It's to empower us. And it's a promise that he will return to us. It's a meal just for his family. So for those of you who, like Rahab, have been rescued, for those of you, like Rahab, by God's grace, have faith in who he is and what his son has done, come and partake of the meal that Christ has given to us. Let us pray. Father God, thank you so much for stories like Rahab in the Bible. And God, we thank you that you, you tell us the truth. And God, I can't wait, make, wait to meet Rahab someday and maybe ask her, what was it like to live your whole life and then to go down in history as Rahab the harlot? But God, I know what the father thinks of you, Rahab. Rahab, my daughter. Rahab, my beloved. Rahab, one of my sheep that I rescued. Jesus, I thank you that before time began, you and the Father and Spirit would set a love on sinners. You would come up with a plan to reunite us to our great triune God. And although our sin has separated us from you, and although we deserve your wrath, and we deserve punishment in hell, God, you give such grace. You give us all that you could because you've given us your Son. 
You've given us your spirit. And God, I thank you so much for, for Rahab. I don't know how the story reached her ears, but I know it penetrated her heart. And God, I pray that it penetrates ours of a God who is and a God who loves and a God who rescues. Jesus, you know that we would forget the story. You know that we would live our lives so selfishly, even as your children sometimes, that Jesus, you gave us a tangible meal to remind us, to remind us of a sacrifice that Jesus has made for us. A life that was lived, a death that was experienced that you didn't deserve to experience, and an empty tomb so that we could be loved and forgiven and free, so that we could be rescued. Oh, Holy Spirit, come feed your people now through this meal, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.